and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are back here after way too long of a sabbatical, a bit of a summer break, if you will. The hot news that we're going for today (laughs) is that female birth control actually just became an over-the-counter thing. That's right, folks. Shocking when you think about it. Shocking that it took this long. Exactly. Like, how did we wait all this time to start giving women birth control over the counter? For real. And, like, people sell condoms in the Plan aisles. B. Plan B is over the counter. No, no, but birth control, it had to be fully prescribed until today. It's That's right, ladies and germs. About. It is wild. So this is the beginning of definitely some good stuff on the women's checklist side. Is, especially after the year we've had and every, well, you know, a couple of years. But of course, most importantly, we've got to finish up our topic, which is, of course, the Delphi murder, the which Oracle is also... The Oracle of Delphi. Which the I, truly... Did you? I, I did Before looking up this case, I had never heard that term before, or like that. It's a Grecian Yes, thing, yeah, it's like Greek mythology. There was this oracle who... I guess was in, was the person's name Delphi or were they in a town called Delphi? I don't. Either uh, way. Yeah, I'm not sure. Delphi was involved and this oracle, you would go down to the oracle when you wanted to like talk to a psychic basically of the day and the oracle would tell you what was going to happen and they'd make calls and judgments and stuff and they were supposedly really good at it and I think it's kind of like in Hercules when they had the fates come in and they were those disgusting Uh, old ladies and past, present, and future and the future one would sort of tell Hades listen like it's going to be really bad for you after this Hercules kid comes around so yeah Delphi murders also known as the Snapchat murders that's right and we were last talking about this horrifying case we're on top of a rickety bridge over a lake Uh, just a raging river of death yeah terrifying terrifying and this is what these people did in their off time is to go down to the lake and walk over the bridge and there was no hand holding there was no handrail there was no nothing and it was really easy to fall off the bridge but these girls didn't even have to because they came across this guy i know it's shocking that it wasn't even like the bridge that kind of was the the danger no it's not what did them in it was this man and we only know about him again again from one of the girls snapchat stories so it's good and bad it's bad because it was too late to actually help us track down the killer and save these girls but it's also good because here we are but at least we have an idea and we have some clues as to what happened here okay so the 22nd was when they had released the audio the first audio and footage that libby had captured and that was super disturbing we were just talking about that and It's just creepy. We remember we saw a man walking up. We don't know if he was wearing a hat or if uh, he was wearing a hood or if he was wearing nothing at all on his head, honestly, because of the graininess of the video. People see everything. Yeah, they see all different kinds of stuff. But what we do know is it is a man. He's walking towards the girls and he says down the hill right that's all we know up until now. We do get later second little clip of audio that says guys down the hill. Oh, it's just it's terrifying. But on the 23rd, the reward uh, continues to increase. And this really kind of takes off across the country there. The police at this point, again, this is only about a week later or a little bit more than a week later, have received almost 4000 tips. And this reward is at this point up to $50,000. So clearly this is 
really grabbing people's attention. They're really wanting to know, especially because at this point we found the bodies. We saw that they were murdered. We don't really know what they looked like when they were found, but we do know that they were found in such a position as to show that they were clearly killed and didn't just kind of die of natural causes or drown or whatever. Yeah, and we'll we'll learn later, and there's still a lot of um, kind of speculation and, and lack of clarity on it, but we have heard that the bodies were staged, and the way that the police describe it is in a, I want to say in a, um, like almost like a non-religious but almost like a cultish it's kind of how the description is or at least how most people kind of determine it that it's um like a significant manner but it's not religious but it almost could be interpreted as as, i almost want to say they said non-secular but they really meant they really meant secular yeah like non-religious but like I will say on the around the 23rd, 24th, this I find interesting. And I think a lot of stuff will come out if this goes, you know, if um, the suspect does not enter a plea deal. Um, So around this time, the 23rd, 24th, a national billboard campaign uh, went out with the picture and kind of time of seeing this suspect which is really interesting because it, it makes you wonder what the police knew, what they were thinking, mm-hmm. because in the end, it ended up being a local case. But kind of what did they know at that point if they're sending it out across the nation? You know, did they understand that it was local at that point or did they really not know? Right. The next kind of significant marker in this case is Monday, March 13th. And law enforcement is out here. They're trying to cover as much as they can. They're trying to give the public reassuring news and to just show them that they've been doing work on this case and have been gathering as many tips as possible. So at 11, 11 a.m. on this date, it's just insane. Law enforcement reported that they had over 13,000 tips and actually yeah it's crazy amount and we've had tips play a huge part in a lot of cases that we've covered before where sometimes we have great tips sometimes we have bad tips sometimes cops are like you know what enough of the tips because they're not bringing us anywhere they're not doing anything just taking our time yeah and it's sending us on a wild goose chase but what's interesting about this is not only are there a ton of tips thirteen thousand of them just to say again but the cops are saying, keep them coming. Yeah. We want more tips. Give us all the tips you got. Which because... makes you wonder, again, like, how much do they really have exactly. at this point? It, it feels dubious. And, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, a weird feeling. But later that day, Sergeant Riley says, listen, someone out here is spreading rumors that we've got DNA on two different subjects in reference to the Delphi investigation. That's not true. So stop spreading these rumors. No one's been arrested. We don't have DNA. And things are still up for grabs. We're still waiting for tips. And we still don't really have a grasp on this on this crime. Yeah, and I think this goes back to, I believe we mentioned in last episode, how this case has been like fraught with people out there creating rumors, speculation, and it really, really muddies the waters. Um you know, with people just kind of speculating and putting it out there online like it's fact. So it's really scary. I mean, the police are really at a loss, it feels like. But they've got tips. They've got stuff to go on. But 
They're probing several different people of interest, and it's been a month since these girls have disappeared and been murdered, clearly confirmed murdered. And it's just really, I don't know, it's not inspiring a lot of confidence. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people at the beginning thought this would be an easy, quick one to solve because, I don't know, like it's, again, you, you've got, you've found the girls, um, you think DNA or something, like everything has advanced so much that it should be kind of like an easy open and shut case. And when you're at a month out, and then we'll see, we end up getting to years out, like people really did lose faith in the police. And I think it's granted, honestly, in a lot of ways. Um, I'll say the next significant development happened on Monday, July 17th, 2017. This is something that like, if if we thought we were spreading those rumors around before, (laughs) they they are really, they are really going to kick off here. Um, The, police hold a press conference and release a sketch well what so what's interesting here is what's this sketch going to be based off of Mm -hmm. that grainy video where we couldn't even tell if the guy's wearing a hat or not well and that's the thing that still has not been completely cleared up from what i understand um even at this point spoiler alert there's another sketch that comes out that's even more confusing um but this one apparently was I believe, based on some eyewitness description, but more so going off of the um, video, like you said. Which is terrifying. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember from last episode, but the folks at Disney and Pixar right, or something. And NASA. Yes, and NASA got were assigned to this case in order to depixelate the video because it was so grainy and hard to see. So if we're working from that kind of image and the Disney folks couldn't even figure this shit out how are you going to put together a drawing at this point that means anything although it is it is interesting i will say because in the end it doesn't really matter no (laughs) um this sketch (laughs) (laughs) but really it doesn't in a way but because the second sketch kind of muddies things again to say but it, it really confuses things to where do any of the sketches matter um, but I will say in the end, I think this sketch actually was the more accurate one. So it is interesting to see years later, you know. What ended up being the yeah, more Yeah, the initial stuff kind of ends up being more accurate. I mean, they're basically like, he could be between three feet and ten feet yeah. tall. He's male. He has brown hair. I mean, that's it's not quite that broad. But they say the person depicted in the composite is described as a white male between 5'6 and 5'10. That is a big that's a wide berth right there it is and i will say spoiler alert again because we are going to kind of get into this this episode the range ends up being like bumped up and and varied even more so later on again going back to this original range the suspect actually is on the smaller side i think he is five six if not like five four he's like actually very small so Again, like, I just feel like there's so many mistakes in this case. But if you go back to kind of the beginning, it is a lot clearer then. And then as things progress, it just kind of messes things up. Right. Well, and that's the other weird thing is if the sketch was based off of an eyewitness on top of the grainy ass video, which meant nothing, who was watching this all unfold? I mean, so they say here that 
The description was provided by a witness who saw the man walking near Delphi around the time the girls were killed. How does that, I mean, I know it's a small town, but like, how much can we really base off of that? I know, and and we know eyewitness accounts are notoriously wrong. Yeah. So it's interesting, though, again, because at the end, it's like, like with the Golden State Killer, if you look at all the different sketches, there's like two or three that are spot on for him. And so, yes, eyewitness accounts are notoriously flawed, but you can get really good ones. But it's hard to know which ones are the good ones and which ones aren't. Right. And probably the more you get, the more likely it is that you'll get a really good one. But it'll also be among a much larger subset. Exactly. Exactly. So just a, it's hard to count on these police sketches. Yeah. So we, we start to get into September 2017. And people online are really spreading those rumors around. <laughs> and now that they have this sketch, they are finding pictures of you know, other people arrested or just other people randomly all that over. That kind of look like the sketch. Yeah. And I will say there is this one guy. His name is Daniel Nations. And he was arrested after, I believe he was like on a trail somewhere, whipped out an axe and started like coming at these people. And, and he very much does look like the initial sketch. Um, but after this, you'll see in a lot of press conferences or whenever authorities talk about this case, they urge the public not to do these side-by-sides. Oh, my gosh. Because it just stirs up. Like, it just creates so much, so many more tips, like we were saying, like false tips that kind of send them on a wild goose chase. And it also can ruin people's lives by, like, putting them out there. Well, and I hate to say it, but it's like how many, you know, short white dudes with brown hair look alike. Like, In the Midwest, (laughs) like, they're all dressed in, like, the baggy, you know, ill-fitting jeans and a sweatshirt or or jacket or whatever. Like, very common look. Yeah, so it's hard to really do a side-by-side or draw any real conclusions from any of this when... It's like, well, y'all just all kind of look alike out there. Yeah, yeah. People really, I don't know, tried to latch on to these people. And in the end, it wasn't any of them. Well, and that's what's messed up. I mean, there can be two freaks in Delphi. And it turns out that there were because Daniel Nations was not our guy, right? Yeah. And and the interesting thing is, I mean, people still are speculating, you know, was this a lone murderer or did he have help, you know? Was it him leading them down the hill and there's somebody else at the actual spot that they were murdered? Because I think I think one guy definitely could have um, controlled these two girls, especially if he had a gun. But a lot of people do speculate that two victims, you know, why didn't one run away? Well, two young, like, preteen teen On a rickety-ass bridge. Like, in the middle of nowhere. I, I don't blame them. Like, yeah. Yeah, no way. I mean, I wouldn't think to run away. I would be worried that I'd lose my step and fall into the river. Yeah. So I get it. Meanwhile, I think the really funny stuff is the stuff that came out about Daniel Nations. Um, His wife, I mean, just talking about how this, these reports, these false reports can ruin people's lives. Um, Daniel Nations' wife came out with a statement saying she's scared of him. But doubts he was involved in the Delphi homicide. <laughs> oh, I mean, thanks a lot. He's scary, but not that scary. Right. Like... And just, oh, my gosh, all of this stuff. It, his wife was like also put out a report that says 
hmm, you know, he does resemble the police sketch. <laughs> but not helping him. <laughs> turns out he doesn't own any of the clothing that he was wearing in the picture. <laughs> he so is, he's definitely off yeah. the hook. He's opposed to jeans. Never a jeans guy. Yeah, Always not a denim man. Not a denim guy. But um, yeah, I just think it's interesting how... I mean, this wife probably wanted to get away from this. Yeah, she's probably like, she's probably the one that initially was like, hey, have you seen this guy's uh, mugshot? Right, because he looks a lot like the Delphi killer. It's difficult because you kind of start to have these anniversaries and police aren't really releasing new information. This case is continuing like on Reddit and and um, web sleuths. People are continuing on the daily to speculate and again, doing these side by sides and whatnot. But it seems like police year after year, you know, nothing is really progressing. Yeah. And months have truly turned to years at this point. We find ourselves in 2019 and still just with very little information. And the pieces of information we do have are leading us down rabbit holes. So we end up at, you know, basically two years exactly from the date on April 22nd, 2019, where we start to get a little bit of new information on this case. Yeah, and I think this is where things really go haywire. And it's like everything up until this point and any tips from the public and whatnot, it's just as like everything loses credibility because everybody's really hungry for information. And police hold this press conference and say that they are taking things in a new direction. Um, They say that, you know, speaking to the suspect directly, you didn't think that, you know, we would change directions, but here we are, you know, trying to intimidate him, saying that they're on to him when really this just to me, at least from what we've seen so far, is is a mess. Yeah. Grasping at straws, just following any lead down whatever rabbit hole, just not really giving us much useful information. No. So this is when the so the original sketch we call uh, Old Bridge Guy or OBG. <laughs> Not to be confused with YBG, Young Bridge Guy, <laughs> which is true, actually. Right? Which is ridiculous. I mean, this is what we're dealing with here, okay? And, and it, it is funny on the the subreddit, like, where people will be like, what is this? And people get so mad, and it's like, if somebody's just looking at this for the first time, how are they going to know all these weird acronyms? Exactly. But hey, that's what we're here to translate. Yeah. So this young bridge guy sketch um, is said to have been made right on February 17th, 2017. So right around when this happened, um, police made the decision to go with the old bridge guy sketch, I guess, looking at the video, which in my opinion, in the end, probably was the better one, the the correct one to go with. Um, But witnesses' descriptions contributed to this sketch, the young bridge guy, and police finally released this, and it looks totally different from the initial sketch. Like, to me, even, like, the face face structure and, and just everything, I can't even say that, you know, oh, this could be just kind of a different interpretation of the same guy, you know, because people have said, um, depending on the witness's age, like you kind of 
determine somebody else's age based on your age. It's so true, though. Like, we talk about this all the time and how age is relative, just like everything else. And when we see college kids now, they look like infants. But before, when we were in college, obviously, they looked like they were our age. And now we're old. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, the sad part is, at some point, they say something to the effect of, the bridge guy is between 18 and 40. Well, again, you're casting a wide net there. Yeah. Like, come on. Let's just call him any, like, man. Any human being. Out, out and about. On a bridge. Yeah. Like. <laughs> in Delphi. Pretty much. Well, all this, um, this gossip sort of starts to swirl around about this new or young bridge guy, YBG, and about how the drawings have really nothing to do with the murders. Yeah. And I really do think, how did these people, how could they feel anything else other than, what the hell, okay? You gave us this OBG drawing, and we've been going off of that for years, and now you decide, out of the blue, let's go from a completely different direction here. We're going to just scrap the old photo and go with this completely new drawing, and we're just all supposed to pick up where you left off and believe you no way so people are skeptical at best and they're pissed off and confused and it's i understand completely yeah and it's difficult because there's again kind of conflicting statements as to whether is this a different interpretation of the same person is this a different person altogether um i think there was even a statement out there that it could be a merging of the two sketches and that could be the act what the actual guy looks like in the end but it just kind of confuses everything because now you don't know who you're looking for. Right. And again, I, it just feels to me like they're grasping at straws at this point. And they're like, yeah. well, maybe it's a little bit of both drawings, which capture pretty much the entire male population in Delphi. So it's just, I don't know. They're they're just casting too wide of a net here, it feels. And it's, I don't know, the investigation feels like it's gotten away from us at this point. Yeah, and I... um. This last press conference really left everybody lacking hope until we get to December 2021. And things really take a turn when um, I believe it's the Indiana State Police come out and ask the public. They put out a video asking the public for information about a social media account that is Anthony underscore shots. Cool. Sounds like a good place to start. Yeah. And um, it's been speculated that they put out this video because they released it at like a really weird, like very late in the day, random. I think it was like a Friday, maybe just random time. You wouldn't release this because somebody uncovered this information and kind of forced their hand for them to address um, this information about this account. And as things unraveled, it actually was revealed that. Libby was communicating with this Anthony Schatz account and was supposed to meet this person on the bridge that day. This is where it gets creepy, y'all. I mean, so this account has been in the works. It's a catfish social media account, and it's there to get girls, underage girls, to do stuff. Yeah. And including send nude photographs. So if this Anthony Schatz character is in communication with Libby and was supposed to meet her on the bridge that day, I mean, that is a clincher or it feels like one. But this is where I think it gets crazy. Um, 
So everybody's kind of digging into it and eventually um, undercover, uh, uncover that the person behind this account is this creepy guy named Kagan Klein. Um, and we later learn, this is a random, not so fun fact, but he was raised by a, a creepy father who named him after his favorite bar called Kagan Stein. Uh, so named his son Kagan Klein. Oh my God. Cool. Um, Kagan himself is a pedophile and uses this account. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Shocker. That you wouldn't have guessed it. He is a raging pedophile. Disgusting, though. And we did hear information come out that apparently this kind of case, this case um, actually uncovered like the biggest pedophile bust or pedophile ring bust in Indiana state history, which is scary and crazy and good old Kagan Stein, Kagan Klein is at the center of it. Uh, it apparently had to do with Dropbox information. Um, so he was potentially sharing this Dropbox information, which could include the information to this catfishing account with other pedophiles like across the country, across the world. Ugh. Even if we just have the information that there's this pedophile on the loose, he's in the area, and he's one of the last people to speak with Libby when she was alive, that's already very compelling evidence. And it's the first compelling evidence we've had in years at this point. Um, and now, I mean, this Keegan Klein character is saying that his social media account was one of the last to speak with Libby before they disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I think one of her friends, so this account, he used the the photo of a male model. <laughs> Which is so stupid. <laughs> no offense. No, but the funny thing is I watched a, like a, a news um, interview and they tracked down this model who is living in Alaska now. And when they interviewed him, he couldn't even take the time to get off of his exercise bike and was um, doing his interview on the exercise bike. So found a weird guy that they uh, took his photo of. The interesting thing is some of the photos uploaded actually legitimized the accounts to the account to some of these girls because I believe it's probably uh, Kagan who was taking these pictures around Delphi. And it was just pictures of like inside of a car and you could see outside of the car it was in Delphi because people of course track down the roads and stuff like that so you couldn't see the guy's face and he's just pretending like oh I just moved here to Delphi looking for friends gonna friend you Liberty the, the... Uh, and gonna friend the child I'm right. a male model I have no friends that seems likely yeah. I'm gonna move to Delphi this podunk town in the middle of nowhere also super likely and then I'm reaching out for friends who do I go to first a bunch of 14 year old girls exactly makes sense so what was discovered and it hasn't been confirmed if Libby has sent anything um, but through this account, Kagan was able to get a lot of underage girls, like you said, to send him pictures, nude or, or pictures that were highly inappropriate. Um, there also were court documents released in Kagan's, clay, in Kagan's case. Mm -hmm. And um, there was mention of money being exchanged, so I assume via Venmo and whatnot. It's interesting, too, because... Kagan, like I said, was talking with other friends of Libby's and one of the friends messaged him after she went missing saying, oh, did you hear what happened to Libby? 
And he said, no, what happened? And uh, they said she went missing. And he said, oh, I was supposed to meet her today and she never showed up or something like that. So up to this point, you're thinking, oh, my God, this guy is totally involved. If it's not him, he's setting up this like catfishing situation where he's setting for uh, he's setting up the situation for bridge guy you know to meet this girl telling her to be on this bridge he's gonna be there you know come and meet me and then she shows up and it's your classic lifetime you know murderer nightmare yeah um cyber seduction yes yeah but the crazy thing is at least up until this point he eventually goes um pleads to over 30 counts of child pornography i believe like some some yeah. crazy he ends up taking a plea deal and i don't know what's come out at this point it doesn't seem that he's necessarily connected um to the actual killer at least from what we know now which is crazy like this case just i don't know it's like something you've never seen before yeah, it's kind of ridiculous that this was going on at the same time and this might not be our guy. Right. Like, everything at this point has lined up. It's looking like we're finally getting a break in the case. And then, out of nowhere, it's just, it's not the guy. Yeah. Although they found a disgusting individual and thankfully are getting him off the streets. But, like, oh my God. Yeah, good to get rid of him. And nevertheless, but he's he still wasn't uh, in charge of this horror. Right. So we finally get the biggest break in the case on October 26, 2022, when a Delphi resident named Richard Allen is taken into custody on two counts of murder. And like we said, up until this point, there has been no connection established between him and Kagan Klein. Police started doing a look back Again, we're saying back, you know, go back to the original information, start over. Police were taking a look at the initial reports, initial investigation and tips. And they found that this guy who's an idiot named Richard Allen. So who is this guy? Who is Richard Allen? At the time of the murders, Mr. Allen would have been 44 years old. So not an old guy, but not a super young guy. And outside of our, what, 20, yeah, 18 20 to, 40 to 40 or whatever like, it was. Yeah. Our giant birth. He's still outside of it, so that's helpful. Um, but at this point, when they start to suspect Mr. Allen, he is 50 years old. And he's a local resident of Delphi. And again, this town is 3,000 people. So this is where the girls live with their families. It's a teeny tiny town. They would have been around this guy. And like he would have been around them. They would have seen each other in town. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have had him on their radar. And maybe he wouldn't have had them on his radar. But they definitely like brushed shoulders at some point. And Mr. Allen um, lives in his family home less than a five-minute drive away from where the bodies of Libby and Abby were found. And he actually lived southwest of the Monin High Bridge. So he was pretty close to where the bridge was, close to the site of the murder. And according to online records, he's lived in Delphi since at least 2006. He's always lived in Indiana for his entire life. And not only that, fellas, he's married. Yeah. And he was married to his wife, Kathy, and they actually have an adult daughter. Creepy thing, too, was before the the murders happened, 
Um, but the daughter got her senior pictures from high school on the Monon High Bridge. Oh, yeah, it's awful. It's so terrible. Up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. So. He's arrested because police go back and look at the initial reports. He actually was interviewed not long after the murders in 2017. Oh, guess what? He admitted to being there during the time of the murders. Great start. Admitted to wearing literally the exact clothing that bridge guy wore. (laughs) wore. Um, and then he, he comes up with some interesting excuses, too. He doesn't say that he saw Libby and Abby. He says he saw, I believe he said, three other girls. Um, we learned recently, actually, with uh, documents that have been released in the last month, that there were, I believe it was four girls, which is so scary to think. They were, they were teen girls around Abby and Libby's age there, right around the time, saw oh. Richard Allen, um, passed him on the path. He had his hood up. They, so they said he was dressed. We finally have at least somebody saying it's a hood. It's not a. It's not his hair. It's, it's not, not a hat. hat. <laughs> um, but that he had his hood up and being in the Midwest and, you know, they're passing him and they say, oh, hi, you know, whatever. And he just like does not acknowledge them, looks Weird. down, just keeps looking forward. Um, so they they saw him. He admits to seeing this group of girls, but says those are the only people I saw there. I went out on the bridge because I was looking at the fish uh, 70 feet in the air. Yeah, because you can totally see fish that far up. And so then he walked out on the bridge, saw the fish, (laughs) went back to a a bench, and on his phone started checking stock tickers. Seems like a thing to do. What to do in the, the, you know, in the woods on a trail. Um, it's interesting though, too, and so sad. Um, this other woman, this just recently came out in these documents as well. This other woman was on the trail and actually walking by herself, saw a man who now we believe is Richard Allen out on the bridge. She walked to the, to the bridge and saw him, um, on the side and this is she probably witnessed him like just before he was going to cross the bridge and approach Libby and Abby she decided to turn around and walk back and at that point she passed Libby and Abby on the trails as they're kind of like walking out towards the bridge and she drove off and it just like it's just it's heartbreaking to think that everyone you know there were people around that close and not to say that things would have changed but it's just I can't imagine what that woman's going through thinking about what she saw yeah Uh, there's another witness too which is really weird and interesting Um, saw a man walking back Uh, I don't know the exact roads and whatnot but it seems to be the direction from the trails or where Abby and Libby's bodies were found walking back along the roads in the direction of Alan's home Described as muddy and bloody. Ugh. Why is that not, like, reported? Reported or, like... Yeah, like, why... <laughs> oh, yeah, he was muddy and bloody, but and we I did get, nothing. I get it's a hunting area, but, like... Still. I don't know. To be by yourself on foot. Yeah. Covered in mud, covered in blood, and just walking home. Yes. Like, it, it gives... I don't know. It's feeling very, like, zombie apocalypse. It's crazy. Um, But... 
So what what really linked Richard Allen after, you know, police went back and and looked at this interview and then interviewed him again, they also had an unfired bullet. And I don't fully understand how this works, but apparently an unfired bullet was found under Libby's body. And apparently what this means is, I don't know, I guess you can like do something like cock the gun and instead of firing, it ejects the bullet. Mm. Um, But it still will have gone through the bat. It will still have been marked with the distinct you know, inner markings of that gun. So essentially, if you believe kind of the science behind it, it's almost like a fingerprint um, where you can take that bullet. And if you have the gun, you can shoot another bullet or eject another bullet and kind of compare the striations and the marks on it um, to determine if that bullet came from the same gun. And during the interview, they determined that Alan has that same type of gun, has had it for years, Uh, After doing a comparison, they determined that this unfired bullet came from Alan's gun. So this is really where everything changes. And he's essentially, in everybody's opinion at that point, the guy. Yeah. And, I mean, did you see this thing about the selfie? This is what... Oh, yes. I think I know what you're going to say. This messes me up. Oh, my God. This guy. Yeah. After this, I have another another kind of... um, crazy just like if he is the guy and we're saying if because it hasn't but like there's some really sick stuff like this and some really solid proof yeah if so i mean again like it's not a hundred percent but it's looking pretty darn likely yeah so it's just it's really sad and this just sheds light on the kind of person we're dealing with if again this is the guy um so what is insane is that a selfie emerged of this creeper, the accused killer, posing for and smiling in front of one of the police sketches of the murder suspect. It's disgusting. It's horrifying. And, you know, in this photo, Mr. Allen's wife actually posted this, Kathy, and she put it on Facebook like a dipshit yeah. of the two of them taking a selfie with the drawing, the composite behind them. And it's so messed up. I mean, he looks like the drawing. Yeah. And it's just like you said, how initially they went with the old bridge guy and then they switched to the new bridge guy, aka the young bridge guy. And it's just so messed up. And this selfie actually got posted on social media the same month that the investigators issued a fresh appeal saying, please, everybody from the public, please come forward with any information that you have especially about this online catfishing account that's supposed to be potentially linked to this murder. And it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's so brazen. And he clearly is just a piece of work if he did this, um, which it's really looking like he did again. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But what's also weird is he doesn't look like he has any form of criminal record. No, no. And this, the way this case you know, the information we've learned and just how apparently like brutal and and crazy this case was, it doesn't seem like it would be the first murder um, for somebody, especially how seemingly planned out it was and whatnot. But this is a tangent that I won't get into. 
But since the Golden State Killer, again, and genetic genealogy, a lot of cases have been solved in the last like five-ish years where the killer has been found to be a guy that it seems like no criminal history. This seems to be his only murder happening probably like in in his 20s, maybe 30s. And then he goes on to live like a very normal life, gets married as a productive member of society. And now years later has been found through um, DNA. And this kind of goes in the face of the theory that a murderer doesn't stop. You know, there's there's not a lot of one and done, especially when it's a brutal murder. Um, but it's it's just kind of turning things on its head with all these guys where it's like, wow, that's even scarier if it's people could be out there, have murdered somebody, and you'll never know. You know right. what I mean? It's not like they're continuing to do it for the rest of their lives, but they did this horrific thing in one their and past. Done. Yeah. yeah, and then could just sort of disappear yeah yeah it's it's crazy but i'll tell you another really disgusting thing again if this is the guy that richard allen did was um he worked at cvs at the time and i believe it was libby's parents came in trying to get um photos developed for i think it was either like a vigil or i I don't think it was the search at that point i think it was past the search And Alan apparently had these developed or developed them and told them that it was no charge, which just is like, oh, like, oh, here, I'm trying to show my support, you know, but ha ha, I'm the one that did it. it. Exactly. And it just it makes you think in the worst possible way, like, is he feeling apologetic? Is he trying to pay them back in some small yeah, way for what he did. that's a good point, did, actually, yeah. You know, or is it just like, ha-ha, yeah. fuck you. Like, it's a little, like, sick joke to him exactly. that he could just, like, give him this round on the house and he's the killer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another point I want to get into before we kind of wrap this up to current state is people have really questioned whether or not his wife knew So up until this point, we'll just, you know, spoiler alert again, he's still in jail, um, awaiting trial, and his wife to this point has stuck by him and and is saying, you know, she believes it's it's the wrong guy. But in such a small town, yes, I get that all these guys kind of dress similarly, but his walk and his voice, like... You don't think she'd have some suspicion when police come to the house. He apparently still has like this Carhartt jacket or whatever, um, or at least one that's exactly the same as the one that, you know, bridge guy was wearing. What a coincidence. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's like she suspected, but it's just like she's forced herself to deny it and not accept it. I don't know. What do you think? So I don't know either direction, but... What's interesting is there's a report from June 29th, this past June 29th, that said that he confessed to killing the girls with his wife, to his wife in a phone call from prison. So it basically says that this call was made to Kathy from Richard while he was in prison, and it's the first time that investigators released the information that a sharp object was thought to have killed the girls. Yeah. And Richard, allegedly, in this phone call, 
told his wife, Kathy, on April 3rd, it was when the phone call took place, that he killed Abby and Libby. Yeah, it's it's crazy. She apparently, and people have interpreted this two ways, he confessed and she like abruptly ended the call. Right. And you can interpret that to she didn't want to accept it. She didn't want to hear it. I, I think in a way, I'm not saying she's complicit in it at all, but I think she's smart enough to be like, nope, these are recorded. We're going to end this now before you say anything else. Like, yeah, I think that's more likely. But yeah. then I also looked into this more and it looks like he apparently admitted that he committed the offenses no less than five different times when yep. he was talking to his wife and his mother, another mama's boy, yep. <laughs> um, from the jail cell phones. So I don't know. I mean, again, there's probably a lot of mental health issues here and we need to know kind of is he really confessing is this true or is this just a crazy guy saying nonsense i mean yeah. more likely he's it because just look at all of this different information that adds up but i don't know this is this is pretty horrifying yeah and and you don't know too whether or not he's trying to put on this act of um you know being mentally unstable because again not to take it back to the golden state killer but when he went to court, he tried to play this feeble old man, and then they had video footage of him in his cell. He's in his 80s, and he's, like, up on the bed, up on, you know, putting stuff up on the wall and, like, moving all around. Yeah, climbing all over the place. And uh, Alan, apparently, this was an interesting tidbit, um, he apparently <laughs> started eating the paper. that So he refused to eat actual food. And um, these documents he was given, he started eating them instead. Um, So, again, it's like, is he really mentally ill? Is he trying to create a defense? Who knows? Right. So, at this point, we are waiting for more information to come out. Obviously, in the legal system, this is going to be a long process for this to go to court, for him to take a plea deal. We don't know yet. Um, But recently what we kind of discussed here, some documents, a vast amount of documents have been released. So it has been interesting to see kind of what rumors <laughs> um, actually ended up being true, taking additional information and kind of starting to put those puzzle pieces together. But I think there's still a lot of information that we don't know. And um, it'll be interesting to kind of see what comes out and hopefully get justice for Libby and Abby. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 